Welcome to the God Life with Pastor Dolapo Lawal, the lead pastor of the Zoe household. His desire is to bring you to the consciousness of the Zoe life that has been made available to everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen and be equipped. Yes. I want to mention two things. Two things that are very important to me right now. Number one is um, consecration. I I think that consecration is so important. Um, and um, our theological stance should birth consecration. We should not just know for knowing sake. We should know and do. Yeah, talk and do. We should talk and do. So consecration is very important. If if not, the word of God just becomes a lecture or just a mere discussion. But the word of God we know is more than that. The word of God is life. It's a designer of thoughts. A sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. And um, the Bible says we receive the engrafted word of God with meekness it says receive the entire word of god with meekness that is able to save your soul so there is a position to take to god's word and it's not enough to just be a hearer the bible says if we are here as we are like the one that looks behold himself in the mirror and easily forgets the type of man that he is the kind of man that he is so yet the bible says that we should make sure that we are hearers and not just uh, we are doers and not just hearers of the word. So let's start. I'll read some things to lead us to what I want to say. What I want to share to this evening is so important. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. Hmm. Which scripture do I start with? Let's read Psalm 33. <clears throat> Psalm 33, verse 12. Psalm 33, verse 12. He said, Blessed is the nation, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. He says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So God has to be your Lord. You cannot, nobody is, many people don't argue the fact that there is God. They refuse to submit themselves to the Lordship of Jesus. That's where the, the issue is. The Bible didn't say for anybody that believes that there is God will be saved. The Bible says that with mouth confession is made unto salvation and in, with the heart man believes. So you must confess Jesus as your Lord to be saved. So yes, it's not enough to know Jesus as a Savior. You also have to know Jesus as Lord. That is so important. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'm going somewhere. And the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. 
So the people that has accepted Jesus as their Lord, he says they've been chosen as the Lord's inheritance. For as many people that receive Jesus as their Lord, the Bible says they have been chosen for his own inheritance. Praise God. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm saying all this because what I want to say, we have to see what I want to say. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. He says, For the law was given, for the law having a shadow. The word shadow there is the Greek word skia. It's spelled S-K-I-A. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices which were offered year by year continually make the commas thereof perfect the law having a shadow of good things to come now when the bible says the law the bible is not referring to 10 commandments no 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 because if you read second corinthians 3 verse 3 it refers or three first second corinthians 3 you see a discussion there about the law you realize that the law is not just 10 commandments the law is actually an approach there is an approach there is there is something behind the ten commandments and that thing is what bettered it in the first place he's speaking about an approach to god by performance so old testament and new testament is not in books you have to understand this old testament and new testament is not in books old testament refers to an approach to god or unto god by man's performance and then the new testament is the access to god by the sacrifice or the performance of jesus christ so old testament is not in books new testament is not in books the classification of the bible into old and new testament is just you know theologians to for maybe for good chapterization and referencing it's also important to say here that what we actually call the old testament is what the bible calls the word of god when the Bible says so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed in the city of Ephesus, he wasn't talking about Ephesians because uh, this was in Acts. He wasn't talking about Ephesians. He wasn't talking about Colossians. He wasn't talking about Matthew because all these books were written years after the death of Jesus. For example, John was written, at least I know John was written 99 AD. That means 99 years after the death of Jesus Christ. So, the Word of God, or what we call the Old Testament, was what the apostles called the Word of God. That will mean that the Old Testament... Now, remember, I'm not trashing the, the theological construct for referencing. I'm trying to help hermeneutically the understanding of the Word of God for proper Bible interpretation. So, cancel the um, the classification of the Bible into old and new in your mind now. Just for now. When you're referencing, you can do that. But for understanding, proper understanding of the person of Jesus, cancel it. So, the word of God actually is Genesis to Malachi. Because this was what the apostles, 
from whence we get our doctrine, Ephesians 2 verse 20, the foundation of our faith is based on the doctrine of the apostles and the prophets. So where we get the foundation of our faith, the message that we preach, which is the epistles, Jesus said, I have so many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth shall come, it shall lead you into all truth. So Jesus told us the truth, but not the old truth. We find the completion of the revelations that Jesus wanted, wanted to give us in the epistles. How? All scriptures were given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the, 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 the evidence, that, no, don't let me use the word evidence, the progression of the revelation that Jesus wanted to hand over to us, we find in the epistles. In Matthew 13, Jesus says that to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them is not given. He says, so that the prophecy of Isaiah might be fulfilled, that in hearing they shall hear, in seeing they shall see, but they shall not perceive, lest um, um, they repent and their sins be forgiven them. So we can see already that there is something called mysteries in the Bible, but those mysteries is not to the believer. Why? Colossians 1 verse 26, it says, um, um, the mystery has been eating. This is the mystery that has been eating from the ages. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the mystery actually is the understanding of Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, We are mysteries of uh, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Then Jesus says, To them it has not been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to you it has been given. So, number one, correction has started. Number one, it is wrong to preach to believers and title the message Mysteries of. Because the word mystery is not a New Testament word. You cannot use the word mystery when you are addressing a New Testament believer. You cannot use the word mystery when you are talking to believers. Now, is the word mystery valid? It is but not to the believer because the bible says that christ in us is already the mysteries revealed so if you're saying that there is a mystery to the believer you are actually relegating the reality of god's word okay but pastor like if the believer doesn't know listen is it wrong to say if the believer doesn't know it's still a mystery to the believer listen listen never ever let experience relegate the revelation of God's word. If you don't have any money in your pockets and the word of God says you are rich, accept that you are rich, never ever conform to the cosmos or to the understanding of what you can see. Remember that you are a just man and the just shall live by faith. And faith means walking by faith and not by sight. So, it is your experience that will conform to revelation. It is not revelation that will change for your experience. So that's important. But the, the believer doesn't know. It doesn't mean that it's a mystery to him. He doesn't know, doesn't mean God hid it. It means that he has not seen it. They are not the same thing. Because when you use the word mystery, the word is mus musarion. That means it was actually kept or hidden. 
the only place that you are permitted to use the word mystery in the New Testament believer is when you are talking about the believer. The believer himself is the mystery. How is the believer the mystery? Colossians 3 verse 3. It says, for our lives are hid with Christ in God. So if our lives are hid with Christ in God, it means that the believer himself is something kept, which is the mystery. So you cannot tell a mystery that is a mystery. It's like telling me, do you know, do you know you? I might not know everything about me. It doesn't mean I don't know me. So the believer is not looking for a mystery, the mystery of blessing, the mystery. Mm -mm. Just say blessing. I just want to correct that. Just say blessing. When you put the word mystery, you are already in a way giving us an inaccurate way to receive the word of God. Because whether you like it or not, these words, they mean a lot. It might be very small, but this is how the devil operates. It's in that little, that void that starts his manipulation. So that, that is so, so important. Are we understanding what I'm saying? Please, if you don't understand what I'm saying, let me know. I'm waiting for, um, for a response. Do you understand? Nobody's replying me. Okay, beautiful. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. So I said that the law there is referring to an approach. So what is the approach of the law? The Bible says, John 1 verse 17, Grace and truth came by Jesus, and the law came by Moses. So the law there is talking about an approach to the promise of the Father. An approach to God. It's not talking about books. It's not talking about Genesis to Malachi. Mm -mm. Genesis to Malachi in scriptures is actually the word of God. Paul preached from Genesis to Malachi. Jesus preached from Genesis to Malachi. Let me show you what I'm saying. Luke 24, 44 to 45. Luke 24, 44 to 45. Jesus preached from Genesis to Malachi. There was no way Jesus would have preached from Ephesians or Colossians. That's just... Com you. An intelligent person knows that. So, actually, the actual thing, what we call the Old Testament, is the Word of God. That's the Word of God gone gone. But you're going to see why some people say, some people think the Old Testament is something, then the New Testament is brand new. So, don't mix them. Don't. <laughs> no, no, it's not talking about books. That's why I said today might crash or trash theologies but just make sure you're writing and then you check these things for yourself luke 24 verse 44 to 45 and he said unto them this is jesus speaking in his resurrection these are the words which i speak unto you while i was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled so these people on the, the these people that jesus met on his way to emmaus were actually disciples that jesus recognized if Jesus did not recognize them, maybe they were one of the 70 or 120. We never know. But the Bible says they were actually disciples of Jesus. Jesus said unto them, these are the words which I speak unto you. That means Jesus was reminding them of his teachings before his resurrection or before his death. 
So this thing that Jesus was talking about was what Jesus was teaching in his earthly ministry. He said, these things which I speak unto you while I was yet with you. So what Jesus is saying is a reiteration of a message that he has always been preaching. Now, why is it important to say this? It is important to say this because what we see right now in Luke 24 verse 44, there is no place in the Gospels before the resurrection that this message was recorded, not even in John. So this is a message that the Gospels or the the, the sermon notes of Jesus that we find in the Gospels did not encapsulate. But Jesus is telling us that he preached this message. Verse 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you. So this is before his death. Jesus had been preaching this message. So what did Jesus preach? That all things must be fulfilled. Then he says, Which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. In other words, the message that Jesus was preaching was the message or Jesus' message was from the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. That was where Jesus was preaching from. So the word of God is actually Genesis to Malachi. Matthew, James, and the Synoptic Gospels are expositions of the position of Jesus, the acts of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and the miracles that he wrought. So in other words, it was a biography of the life and the works of Jesus. That's what you find in the Gospels. So I'm helping to give classifications. You see, so the Old Testament, which we what we call it, which is Genesis to Malachi, is actually the word of God, the scriptures from which Jesus preached. Jesus had his dispositions and positions and also the apostles. That would mean the epistles are actually message notes of the apostles. So the epistles are the explanation when the light and understanding came to the word of god which is the old testament is that making any sense is anybody understanding what i'm saying so the epistles are actually explanations and expositions of the old testament what paul was trying to do was to explain which we read in hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 for the law having a scare that word shadow is scare of good things to come so the the epistles were helping us to see the good things that have come but they did it by the scare that word shadow there that scare there means framework framework they did it and understood it by the framework in the word of god which we call the old testament praise god now let's 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 read on luke 24 verse 44 and he said unto them these words which i speak unto you while i was yet with you that in all things 
that all things may be fulfilled, which are written in the laws of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Look at verse 45. Verse 45 says, Then opened he their understanding. The word understanding there is nos. He opened their eyes that they might understand the scriptures. Hey, that means everything in scriptures, that means everything in the Old Testament was in codes. Everything in the Old Testament was a mysterion, was a mystery. Remember what Jesus said. He said, to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given, so that in sin they shall see, and in hearing they shall hear, but they shall not perceive. That's why you find books of the Bible called Proverb. Some people think the book of Proverb is just a literal book. It's not a literal book. (laughs) The Bible calls it Proverb. It's not a literal book. These are spiritual realities coded in parables and in simple day-to-day examples by Solomon. Let's read Proverbs chapter 1. Oh, this is what I don't always want to do when I digress. But I'm too much of a teacher to, to let us just go with half knowledge. I'll just be feeling bad that... Somebody's mind. It's not my mind. I don't I should not care, but lucky you. Alright. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter one. Now a good student, you don't this is just common sense. A good student knows that to understand the subject matter of any issue, you have to start from the beginning. Some people read the book of Proverbs and never take out time. To understand the beginning of the book, you have to read every book from its beginning. The introduction is the framework. Every other thing is a build-up from the introduction. In fact, from the introduction, you already know the disposition of the writer. So most of the time, the introduction already entails all that the book is about. And then the plot or the middle of the book is now the explanation or argument concerning his position that he has shown you in the beginning of the book, which is the introduction. So look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive, to know wisdom. That word wisdom there is what you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. The Bible says, Christ has been made unto us wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, and justification. So it says, this Proverbs of Solomon, the, the son of David, king of Israel, is to know wisdom, which we already understand from the scripture I just quoted in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. That that wisdom is a person. It says to know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. The word that you find in Luke 24 verse 45. And he opened their understanding. You see that? Verse 3. To receive the instructions of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To To give subtlety to the simple. 
to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Look at this. Um, verse 6 now. Verse 6 now. To understand a, a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what he is talking about here. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That fear he's talking about here is consecration. He's saying that if you do not fear God, you cannot have access to wisdom, to the instructions of God. In other words, the children of Israel were already disqualified to understand the Proverbs because there was no fear of God in them. So there was no knowledge in them. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then he says, verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. In other words, Solomon was a teacher. That's what I'm trying to present to you. And what he was teaching was also in codes. Let me show you something. Psalm 70, 78 verse 2. If it's not Psalm 78 verse 2, I'll just check it online. I think it's Psalm 78 I think I have like, I don't even know how many scriptures are in this head. God will be helping me. Psalm 78 verse 2. Yeah, I'm correct. Psalm 78 verse 2. I will open my mouth in a parable and will utter dark sayings of old. So the Old Testament was a parable. That's what I'm telling you. The Old Testament was a parable. Let me check. I, need, I should have checked this before. What is a parable? What is a parable? Let me just read that to you. The Old Testament is a parable. A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. So a parable is not the story. It's just an illustration. Let me show you. Paul explains it in Galatians 4, 22 to 24. Let's look at that. Galatians 4, 22 to 24. See what Paul says. Galatians 4, 22 to 24. Is anybody confused? Do you understand what I'm saying? Please reply. Do you understand what I'm saying? Galatians 4, 22 to 24. If you are just joining us, you might not really understand. Galatians 4, but you catch up. Sure. The wisdom of God is at work in you. Galatians 4, 22 to 24. Okay, so I'll read Galatians 4, 22 to 24. It says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he was of the bondwoman, and of the born woman was born after the flesh, but he that was of the free woman was by promise. Verse 24. Which things are an allegory. So the Bible is saying that the story, the, the entire story of Abraham is an allegory. What's an allegory? <laughs> Let's see the meaning of allegory. A story, poem, or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. So most of the words in the Old Testament were metaphors or allegories. Am I saying that these events did not happen? No. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the events were allegories. They were hidden meaning, meanings to these events. If you are preaching the Old Testament and there is no Christ revealed, you are telling us a story of a man. You are not preaching the gospel. You are not preaching Christian message. If you talk about Solomon, you are telling us lessons to learn from Solomon if you don't put Christ. It is in the revelation of Christ that makes it a Christian message. So anytime you are preaching the Old Testament, you must understand that this is an allegory. That's what we just read in Galatians 4, 22 to 24. This is in the Bible. It's an allegory. These are parables. They are mysterion. You see, they are mysteries. That the light of God's word and receiving the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see. That's what I'm presenting to you today. And I've not even gotten to anywhere I'm, I want what I want to say today. So Jesus says in, let's go back to Luke 24, 44, 45. Let's go back to 45. Luke 24, 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So all the allegories, are you understanding now? They could not understand it because they were allegories. Remember what we read in Psalm 78 verse 2. It says, I will speak to them. I will open my mouth in a parable. So they will not understand. I will tell them of things of old. So it means everything in the Old Testament was actually a parable. They were allegories that needs understanding that comes from Jesus to be able to comprehend. Do you understand this? That's what he says, verse 45. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So Jesus had to open their understanding for them to understand scriptures. So it's not enough to read. No wonder Philip appeared to the Ethiopian Enoch. He said, understand, understandest thou what thou readest? And we realized that he didn't. And then he started to expound the scriptures to the Ethiopian Enoch. Anywhere the brother was, Philip started to expound the scriptures to him. And what did Philip do? Philip taught him about Jesus Christ. So the early church understood what we don't understand now. That all scriptures is supposed to reveal Jesus Christ. That anytime they were reading scriptures anywhere, and any apostle, any disciple in the early church got there, they started to expound scriptures from anywhere they were to reveal Christ. So the Old Testament is not for moral lessons. The life of Samson is not a didactic story alone. I'm not saying we can't learn from them. I'm saying that there is... The revelation of Christ. These guys are typologies of Jesus that we must unnest. We must unnest. And if your understanding is not opened, as we expound things that are written concerning him, the same way Jesus opened their understanding, your understanding is opened right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go to 46. Verse 46, and he said unto them, he, verse 46, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is that Christ 
is to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. He said it is written. <laughs> he said this event that you're seeing is prophecy fulfilled. That's what Jesus is saying. This thing that you're seeing happening is prophecy fulfilled. I'm only fulfilling prophecy. I didn't do what is not scriptural. Now, I want you to notice something in this story in Luke 24 verse 44. To validate what Apostle Paul says, that we cannot know Jesus, that we know no man after the flesh, that we have known Christ after the Jesus after the flesh, but not anymore. Did you notice that Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to these men and even to his disciples in John 21, and they did not recognize him? Now, also notice that they did not still believe, even after his resurrection, Jesus ate bread, did everything. They still were in doubt. They did not still believe until Jesus opened their understanding to scriptures. That's showing you that God is very fair. Because if they had believed by what they saw, then there's no reason for faith. That's a contradiction. Listen, it is a contradiction to see and believe. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't sound like a paradox at all. Mm -mm. It's such a contradiction. For me to believe means I cannot see. For example, I believe that you are writing. If I see you writing, I don't believe you are writing. I know you are writing. So for us to be a believer, for you to be a believer, it means that you are believing the message in the scriptures. So what the people on the way to Emmaus believed was the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. If Jesus had told them, listen, I'm Jesus that resurrected, they wouldn't have believed. But Jesus opened their understanding. After Jesus opened their understanding, ate bread with them, then their, their eyes were opened. No, their eyes were opened, then Jesus opened their understanding. And then the Bible says Jesus disappeared. So you see that the ability to see is more than eyes, is insights, is revelation. Revelation is the believer's eyes. You must understand that. So they didn't believe Jesus because they saw one guy that resurrected and said, I resurrected. No, they actually believed Jesus because they found the resurrection of Jesus according to the scriptures. In other words, they believed the scriptures. And that's fair. Pastor Lakpo, why is it fair? Because we too believe the scriptures. If Jesus had made their believing in him about his appearance, then Jesus would have to appear to every one of us for us to believe. But in as much as what they believed was scriptures, then we also who have received like precious faith, believe scriptures. So it's a beautiful thing to have an encounter with Jesus, but you must find Jesus in scriptures. That's why Cornelius was a devout man and angels could not teach him the gospel. He was recommended to somebody or somebody was recommended for him to teach him. Because spiritual growth is not in encounters. Spiritual growth is in knowledge. Listen, guys, knowledge is spirituality. I don't know how best to put it that you can understand. That's one of the most profound things you'll ever hear in your life. If you understand what I'm saying very well. Knowledge is spirituality. No knowledge, no spirituality. Everything you do 
that is not in line with the knowledge of God's word is religion, is idolatry. Idolatry is what you made. Jesus Christ is who made you. Not the same. Not the same. So 46, Luke 24, 46, it says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, that Christ should suffer and should be raised from the dead. So his point is talking about events, but he's saying, he said it is written. So he's making reference to scriptures. Look at 45, what is written. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from an eye. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, at his resurrection, at Jesus' resurrection, Jesus taught according to the scriptures. Now, what is the scriptures? The scripture is the Old Testament. Quote and unquote. The, the scriptures are or is the word of God, which is Genesis to Malachi. Remember, we have said clearly that the word of God is, now we redefined, we reclassified, and we said the word of God is Genesis to Malachi. The Gospels is an exploration of realities, of the doings, the teachings of Jesus Christ. And then the epistles are actually the exploration of the word of God. So we can say the epistles are actually explanations of the word of God, which is Genesis to Malachi. Or we can say the epistles are the message notes from studying Genesis to Malachi by the apostles to their church. I hope you understand that. I purposely paraphrased in different ways so you can understand. So the word of God, as we have reclassified, is actually Genesis to Malachi. The Synoptic Gospels is showing us the disposition and is an exploration of the life, the events, the deeds, the sayings of Jesus Christ. And the epistles are message notes of the apostles from their study of the word of God, which we said is Genesis to Malachi, or an exploration or explanation of the word of God, which is Genesis to Malachi. So Jesus taught the scriptures, which is Genesis to Malachi. So Old Testament and New Testament is not in books. It's referring to an approach unto God. Old Testament is an approach by works. New Testament is an approach by the works of Jesus Christ. So in the New Testament, the difference between Old Testament and New Testament is New Testament is access. Old Testament is trying to discover. First Peter chapter 1 verse 11, it says the old prophets were searching diligently the scriptures of the time in which the Christ should appear because it's written the, um, the sufferings um, that he will suffer and the glory that should follow after. So the Old Testament is discovering, trying to discover this God because we already said in Colossians 1, 26 to 27, 
that this is the mystery that has been eating from the ages christ in you the hope of glory so christ revealed in us is the mystery this is the thing that solomon wanted to know that abraham wanted to know that david wanted to know one thing that i have desired of the lord is that I might dwell in his uh, temple to behold the beauty of his presence. What he was looking at, looking for was actually the revelation of Christ. Hebrews 11 verse 39, it says, This man of old obtained a good report, but could not con- obtain the promise. Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, Ye are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Acts chapter 1 verse 5, Wait till ye are endued, wait for the promise of the Father. And in Acts chapter 2, we saw what the promise of the Father was, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in a man is the promise. So God is not promising anything. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, the thought of good and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. That thought of good and evil is not to give you a car or a brand new job. That would be too carnal. Jesus didn't have to come and die for you to get a car or get a job. If Jesus came to give you money, then he failed because (laughs) Solomon was richer than him. (laughs) So that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came not to, it's not an escape route from poverty. You see, it's not a, Jesus is not the access to a a new life. Eh, eh, Listen, now take this and write it down never ever forget this we don't come to jesus to better our lives we come to him because we have found him to be better than life 